TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features aren't available in all states, but in just the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com. You'll see upfront pricing information and you can lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, true car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time. Save money. Never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man. I'm 40. I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo woo. And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildebrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. That is still the email address. This weekend, as you're watching a smaller but still very meaty slate of games, do call in. 408 verbal one that is 408-837-2251 do find us on facebook on fancred and of course on twitter and of course give us a rating on itunes tell your friends about the show dan is there anything i missed there no not at all i'm just happy that we couldn't even get to the part where i start talking without you using the word meaty meaty i used it last week too i'm uh, yeah I'm meaty crazed here. That's weird. You're meat crazed. Meat crazed. Sure. Ty Hildebrandt, meat crazed. Yeah. How are you, Dan? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited for I'm excited for this weekend. Uh, good menu, and we're gonna get into everybody's menu. Yes. Uh, food wise, later on in the show, but a good spread out uh, sort of slate of games, as you mentioned. Just you know, not not everything is gonna be the most meaningful. I think Baylor plays West Virginia at noon. I'm trying to think. Of the, I think Kansas State plays Oklahoma at noon and three thirty. Four o'clock Eastern time range. You have Oklahoma State, TCU, Georgia, Arkansas. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I think Bama A&M is right around there as well. So every, it's nice when things are spread out. The late night game, of course, you have two, uh, two ranked Pac-12 teams playing each other overnight, which is sort of a, a tradition unlike any other in college football. So it doesn't need to be A++ just as long as there's a spread, a full spread. I agree. I agree. It's going to be a, a very nice slate of games. Of course, highlighted by Notre Dame, Florida State, which we're going to get into here. Notre Dame who? Notre Dame, Florida State. Never heard of them. Yeah. Should we get into some breaking news? Please. Speaking of the devil. Yeah. Florida State is reportedly investigating how one James Spence authentication Mm -hmm has so many Jameis Winston autographs. Right. Nothing has been proven thus far. These guys sign autographs all the time. Right. I will reemphasize that nothing has been proven. There's no evidence, at least not that we know of, against Jameis Winston. That would indicate he took money or did anything wrong here. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, it is still another layer in an already complex Jameis Winston season. Mm -hmm. Some Vegas books have taken the game off the books because they're not sure what Winston's status is going to be. We will continue under the assumption that he will play and that the point spread will be about 12, 11 and a half, somewhere in that range. Should point to the fact that we're we're recording this, excuse me, Wednesday evening. We are recording this Wednesday evening, so things could change. So we get a tweet Friday afternoon. It's like, uh, guys, way to keep current. Like, it's, it's not a live show. Spoiler alert. It is not a live show. No. This is another layer to mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, Dan. What was your thought when you saw this? Uh, do you remember the, I think it was Jay Cutler, like the don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, not quite to that extreme, but in that direction. Uh, I am of the mind of 
you know, it's against a rule, I guess. And I side with the, I happen to side with the, my company, the, the editorial policy of SB Nation, the thing that our friends Spencer Hall and Jason Kirk put out regarding the Todd Gurley thing. I just can't bring myself to care about autographs. I think autographs are stupid. So I think getting in trouble for a stupid thing potentially itself is stupid. Um, so I can't bring myself to feel any strong emotions. Um, as for the rest of the Jameis Winston story, because of the disciplinary hearing, by I believe a third party situation, yep. Florida State won't be involved in that in so much as they won't be hearing both sides of the, the Title IX situation and the code of conduct stuff. Um, there, was a, there was a Sports Illustrated piece that said he would actually, it would behoove himself and his legal standing perhaps to drop out of Florida State. I don't know how much that is being weighed um, to sort of end like Florida State jurisdiction in the situation. But in terms of autograph investigation, it would be for Jameis Winston, for any player to be brought down by something. And, and first of all, and we've talked about this and we tweeted this out. Autographs are so dumb. Autographs are so ridiculous that people still care about like owning and paying for autographs on their memorabilia. Well, so, let me, you know, all right, good. Say what you're going to say, and then I have a so point. So that's there. just that's just a personal thing. Yeah. But um, with regard to this, I just can't find myself caring. And if he were paid, I imagine at this point. He, beyond everybody else in college football, knows the kind of scrutiny, knows the type of magnifying glass, knows the kind of fishbowl that he is in. Granted, this could have occurred a long time ago where just hopefully he got untraceable cash because got a deal in cash, bro. Like like or dislike Jameis Winston and his time at Florida State. He is just as worthy as any college football player in the spotlight. As, as just in terms of being paid for his labor. So I hope he got paid and I hope they don't trace it. I will also add, just in case people heard this and weren't sure what you were talking about, you mentioned the disciplinary hearing. Jameis is facing an upcoming disciplinary hearing to determine if he violated some code of conduct rules stemming from that sexual assault allegation mm -hmm. in December of 2012. That is forthcoming. No one knows when that is. Jameis is... Lawyer has been accused of trying to delay matters so that he can play right. quite honestly from a football standpoint, purely from a football standpoint. I hope he does play against Notre Dame. I, yeah. I want to see that game. I, I don't want to see Sean McGuire in there. You mentioned the autographs, though. Yeah, I should point this out. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever told this story, but uh -oh. you know what my first job was? Uh, forging autographs of athletes. First job. Close. <laughs> first job was working in a sports card and memorabilia store is that fully true how old were you gosh i was 14 years old what what was your job um well i did a number of different things i i've probably been to more baseball card and memorabilia shows than i than i could ever count and it involved going to shows like that helping out it involved going to the store and and waiting on someone who just wanted to buy a box or a pack of uh, baseball cards coincidentally enough by the way and i spent a lot of time in sports card stores and card shows myself. Sure. I will draw a parallel. Um, the types of people involved in that business, owning businesses, going to card shows are not unlike the fringe types that populate FSU Twitter. I, I was going the same place. <laughs> Were man. you really? I was just going to say, I know the types of fellas yeah. in the industry. I know the yeah. types of people that buy the product. I, I understand the mechanism really, really well. Right. This world totally has a seedy underbelly. It's no not at all representative of all the people that do it. Right. And it doesn't even mean that all the people that do deal with autographs are seedy guys. I just Correct. think they're all under a ton of pressure because it's not a high margin industry. Now, you know, a lot of guys that get into this aren't in it for very long because they don't have the volume and they can't make any money off it. Right. So I think everyone's looking to differentiate it gets really cutthroat. That's when things get really, really seedy. On the other side, I, I sort of disagree with the implication that all autographs are stupid or that if you buy an autograph, you know, you're like a mouth breather in mom's basement. Here, here I will say that it's it's sort of an all encompassing opinion in my eyes, but it, it, it's especially true of college kids, of college kids. Right. So like if Mama H goes out and buys a Thurman Munson autograph for Uncle Joe for a birthday because that was his favorite Yankee. Right. 
that's a great, meaningful on a, gift. On a baseball or a jersey, like a, a sort of framed right. jersey or a, a, a baseball and a holder, that kind of thing. No, it's cool. But just like an autographed football from Todd Gurley or Jameis Wentz, it just that's very strange to me. These guys okay. were born in like 1994. It, well, look, in fairness, we do a twice weekly podcast where we talk about 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah, and we make money off of them. Well, we do make a little bit. I don't, I don't yeah. want to cast the first stone here. I don't necessarily have as big a problem of it. I think mo- most of the people that buy these types of autographs are, are kind of like Mama H buying them as gifts. There are fringe, there are fringe buyers out there, but well, I'm no, just, you I, know. I, I, yeah. It's, come on. Let's move on. Let's do that. In other Notre Dame, Florida State news, mm-hmm. it would appear as if pretty much all of the Frozen Five, as they've become known right. at Notre Dame. The five guys who were suspended, yeah, they're done, Dan. Kavari Russell, yeah. Devaris Daniels, Shaq Williams, Kendall Moore, um, Ilar Hardy, however you say mm-hmm. his first name. Right. All these guys are pretty much done for the year. Right. I don't know if they've formally announced Hardy, but I don't think he's got a chance. Notre Dame's played without these guys all season thus far. They've played pretty well. I think they're going to be fine without them. It's just a bummer they won't be there. Yeah, very impressive that Notre Dame got through their like a slap fight row of a first few games without them. And now things get and this isn't obviously their fault. Notre Dame's that they're the opening part of their schedule wasn't all that impressive outside of Stanford. This is when we're going to see what kind of depth has been developed in the yep. back half of their schedule, starting with Florida State. And who else do they have in the back? They have Louisville. They have USC. Who am I missing? Arizona ASU. State. Yeah. So th- this is when yep. depth will be tested, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball with Arizona State, USC, and Florida State capable, capable yes. of doing interesting offensive things. Absolutely. The only other bullet point I've got in the uh, news world. Yeah. Mike Slive, the yeah. SEC commissioner, going to retire in 2015. He's also going to begin treatment for prostate cancer. We wish him well. Yeah. By all accounts, uh, Mr. Slive is an upstanding gentleman, a very nice guy. Yeah. So you hate to hear bad news for nice people. Hopefully he's able to fight this and enjoy his retirement has done an unbelievably successful thing with the SEC and uh, leveraging how rabid the SEC's fan base is into a network, into a TV deal, into all sorts of ways of marketing this conference, all sorts of ways of uh, presenting the SEC in a favorable way nationally. Um and, you know, it's it's one of those things where the SEC should be as popular as it is. And he did a fantastic job of keeping it that way. I would almost argue that Jim Delaney has done a better job because Purdue is on ESPN every Saturday. That, to me, is hard work in getting a TV contract like that. So, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. And I think I'm I'm told the the Mike's live thing, the health thing should be, should work out for him. But it's also one of those things where you reach a certain age. You're like, you know, I've accomplished a lot with this current position and we're in a good place to pass it on. And I need to, uh, enjoy myself now. Well, we wish him well, we wish him well. And, uh, we should talk about some week eight games. Let's Not the deepest slate of games, but a nice sampler, shall we Shallow say. Shallow and meaty. A sampler of a week, yeah. eight, uh, a week eight slate here as we forge ahead. Let's start at noon Yeah, on Saturday on ESPN, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Seven and a half point home favorite against K-State. Now look, K-State, Dan, very quietly coming to Norman as the 14th ranked team in the latest AP poll. Correct. Their only loss was a month ago to Auburn, and they'd probably be undefeated if they hadn't shot themselves in the foot. Right. I think this Oklahoma game gives them a chance at redemption to maybe build some momentum and make their own run at the Big 12. So I am leaning Kansas State here a little bit just because of that. I took Kansas State outright on easy call. It's on SBNation.com. Wait, outright. Outright. Outright, yo. Wow. Um, Okay. Why is that? I think they match up really well. The emergence of Curry Sexton alongside Tyler Lockett at receiver going against an Oklahoma secondary that outside of Zach Sanchez Sanchez. has has not been particularly impressive, did not look good at all. The safeties look disjointed against Texas last week. Um, The defense outside of Sanchez and, uh, and Jordan Phillips, it just worries me. Jake Waters is the guy that everything runs through. 
And I think they are well coached enough, especially coming off of a bye week, going against a, uh, what looks to be a bit of a weakness. I like their front. I do like the, the striker and everybody in Oklahoma's front. But I think Kansas State is built uh, especially to keep this ugly, to keep it a little bit low scoring. And I, I don't know what the status of Keith Ford is at the moment. The Oklahoma running back who's been out the past few weeks with yep. some sort of broken foot, something like that, something along those lines or a fracture, whatever. Um, they've looked pretty ordinary running the ball against decent defenses lately. And uh, Kansas State's front, certainly when you saw how they played against Auburn, the, their ability to get into backfields, I think with Kansas State with the off week, combined with Oklahoma really getting beat up on offense, not getting a, not converting a third down until late in that game. Malcolm Brown, the Texas defensive tackle had enormous success against, uh, against Oklahoma inside. Um, that would be yeah, defensive tackle, not running back Malcolm Brown. I think it shapes up nicely to be a bit of, cause Texas defense, as we saw salty as hell, this yep. could be a, a semi body blow game. Um, for Oklahoma, I like Kansas state. The only thing that worries me is how poorly Kansas state played against Iowa state on the road and their only real road tests or road anything this season. So other than that, there's, I think a a little bit more to like about the wildcats and the Sooners right now. I, I am taking Oklahoma to win the game outright because it's in Norman, because I think Oklahoma has got its back to the wall. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not out of this quite yet, but they almost need to win out. Yeah, certainly. If they want to get in the playoff, I think Trevor Knight needs to play better if they're going to do that. And this is his chance. Okay, if you're going to go at K-State, the best way to do that is through the air. And this gives Trevor Knight a really good opportunity to build some momentum, to get some better touchdown to interception ratios. I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think they get some confidence for the stretch run, but I think it's close. I do so what's, agree what's with the you. Spread as of the time we're recording. Spread right now, Wednesday evening around dinner time, mm-hmm. seven and a half. Okay, so it's come down because it opened yeah. at about ten and a half, eleven. Yeah, no, it's come down. K State is not sexy. We've never claimed them to be. Well, some people probably. Well, we think. all have types, Ty, and maybe the 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 windbreaker, the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl windbreaker, just does it for some people. I think Bill Snyder is good enough as a coach to limit big game-breaking plays from Oklahoma. Yeah. So I think that in and of itself makes it close. But I do like Oklahoma's balance a little bit more. I'm going to say Oklahoma 35-31-ish. Yeah, I'm going to go lower scoring. Uh, something in the in the range of 27-24 K-State. Okay. Saying I have a John Miller sound that I can play at some point. Beltron. I've got one of him saying Miguel Tejata. Tejata. We'll play that next show, I promise. Please do. Uh, We didn't prepare a full-fledged preview of the Baylor-West Virginia game, but that is also at noon. It's on Fox Sports 1. Mm -hmm. At last check, West Virginia is around a nine or eight and a half point underdog at home. Mm -hmm. And our friend Chris the Capper wanted to make this game his lock of the week. Let's have a listen. Hey, guys. Chris the Capper here. Two and one last week brings us to six and four on the year. For this week, let's take West Virginia plus nine at home against the Baylor Bears. Nothing bad against Baylor here. Uh, you know, it, it took a lot of strength and a lot of emotion to come back from uh, from 21 points down and score the final 24 against TCU the previous week. However, week before that at Texas, really kind of sleptwalked through that game. Didn't really put them away into the fourth quarter. West Virginia already played Oklahoma, even though they lost. They played them close. Already played Alabama, even though they lost. Even though they lost, they played them close. I don't think they're going to be intimidated here, and I don't really trust Baylor on the road to beat a pretty decent team with a pretty good offense by more than a touchdown. So let's say Baylor wins this one, but I think West Virginia keeps it close. Let's take the Bears 41-40. to 41-40. He's uh, predicting a close noon kickoff in Morgantown. I think I kind of favor West Virginia as well, just with the points. I think Baylor wins. I think they've got too much offense, but whenever these two teams get together, it feels like crazy things happen. It would not surprise me with West Virginia being in Morgantown. I think having more semblance on offense this year than they have in the past, maybe two years. I really like them to keep this one close. And in the event, it's a shootout. I want to err on the side of the point. So give me the ears here. I disagree. 
I think West Virginia is very good in chunks. They've struggled with not so good teams in Kansas and Texas tech at times. Um, I'm going to go Baylor here by a couple touchdowns. Both of these teams coming off of emotional wins, last second wins, really. Baylor needed all of the 60 minutes to take down a very good TCU. And, of course, West Virginia needed a long field goal to beat Texas Tech. But I think Baylor at this point, the the score from last week doesn't tell the complete story of how good Baylor's defense has been, a right. beat-up defense in the front. Um, I think at at a certain point, Baylor is going to have to be known as one of the more complete teams in the country. I wish they hadn't struggled in, in ways that they have against certain teams, but struggling against Texas defense looks better and better right now yeah. after Oklahoma had similar struggles. Yeah, not the end of the world. Right. So I think we feel better and better about Bryce Petty's health after last week. Oh my the God. interceptions yeah. aren't the greatest, but still going against a uh, a good uh, a good TCU defense. So I'm going to say Baylor... It might be close for a bit because I really do like the the tricket Kevin White combo. Kevin White secretly probably one of the best two, three, four receivers in the country Definitely. at this point. Definitely. Um, so I think they're going to be able to get theirs for a bit, but ultimately I think Baylor pulls away. I'm going to say 41-27 Baylor. Okay. Moving on to 330. Speaking of potential boat races. This one's on CBS in Alabama coming home after a near miss against Arkansas. Yeah, they've got Texas A&M coming to town. The Crimson Tide is Mm -hmm. a 11 and a half point favorite. I am extremely confident in Alabama here. Really? Why are you extremely confident? Well, I've said it. What each of the last three weeks now that yeah. I think AM is an eight and four team in sure. shiny packaging. You know, South Carolina win was great, but I I wanted to pump the brakes. I don't think this team is as good as advertised. I don't think there's any reason to really overthink this one because Bama's gonna run directly at AM. They're gonna do it all game long, and I don't think Kevin Sumlin's gonna have any way of stopping it. That said, I do think AM can throw a little bit on Alabama, but I don't think oh, yeah. it's really even going to matter. So I like Alabama big here, like 42 21 big. I'm worried about this Alabama, the interior of their offensive line. Ryan Kelly, their starting center, uh, has been hurt and beat up, didn't play last week against Arkansas. And not only have I used the asterisk of Lane Kiffin against a good team, not necessarily a good defense. And this is a defense that Alabama should have its way with at times, but Lane Kiffin game planning with a beat up underperforming offensive line is, is a second layer of the Lane Kiffin spoiled club sandwich. Um, I, I've got, I went back and forth because I think Texas A&M will probably exploit the Alabama secondary more than you think. I think Alabama misses Vinny Sanceri and his ability to disrupt things over the middle. Landon Collins is very good. If there's nothing else that Kevin Sumlin has learned to do, it is to pick apart Alabama's secondary. And granted, he had the most or one of the most dynamic quarterbacks the past few seasons in Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans is also gone. I just think that Texas A&M is going to be consistently able to pass the ball. Brandon Allen looked more efficient than usual, I would say, against Alabama's defense. You're still talking about an Arkansas team. Dumb turnovers, missed extra points, kicking issues away from winning or sending that game to overtime. An Arkansas team that I think is pretty good. I think we agree is good, but not necessarily a team that is anywhere near on the level of talent that Alabama has. Um Ultimately, I do agree with your assertion that Texas A&M is a good but deeply flawed team defensively. I am struggling to figure out how Texas A&M can can stop Alabama on the ground. So I'm going to say Alabama covers this game, but late. I late think cover. I think it's a late cover. Maybe maybe a backdoor cover, and I don't know what the situation. That'd be. I believe that that's sound. considered a front door cover. If a the front favorite. door cover. Here we'll play it. That was a front door, not a back maybe, door. Maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, Alabama up sort of like a 31-21, get a late pick six or something like that. So I'm going to say 35-21. Did you happen to see the Tosh.0 Lane Kiffin skit? I felt mixed things about it. Yeah, me too. By the way, it didn't register until I saw that how much Daniel Tosh looks like Lane Kiffin. Yeah, in a visor. Yeah, he does. He would, It looked like he, he the clothes he was wearing fit him too well, though. 
That was my second thought. <laughs> 4 p.m. on mm-hmm. the SEC Network. Yeah. Georgia Bulldogs, it's their turn to play the Hogs of Arkansas. They're on the road. Yeah. They're in Fayetteville. They're a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. When we first discussed this game, my immediate reaction, i we might have talked about it off-air right. last time. My immediate reaction was that Arkansas was going to win outright. Mm-hmm. My only concern is I'm not sure how much Arkansas has in the tank after those back-to-back losses to it's A&M tough. and Alabama. Two, really, two close games that they could have and maybe should have won. Right. I don't know. I like Georgia to some degree. Maybe I, I like fluctuate on Georgia. I loved them last week against Missouri this week. You, against, you figured them out, Ty, because that's the exact reaction to Georgia. Fluctuation. Yeah, I look, I'll go with my gut. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take Arkansas to win outright. I, I'll say that sooner or later, Arkansas picks somebody off in the SEC, and this might be that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they still got to play both teams from the state of Mississippi. And they're probably not going to beat either of them. Right. But I'll, I'll take them outright. Uh, Arkansas takes the air out of the ball. They slow it down. They'll make it ugly. They'll win. Oh, gosh, 31-28. I agree. I think Arkansas is a good team. And Georgia's on the road for the second straight week. They're relying a lot, or they did rely a lot on Nick Chubb last week. Certainly, Todd Gurley returning takes the ball out of his hands a little bit, if that's the case. Who knows? Uh, Georgia's been fantastic on offense. I think they're going to see a more dangerous offense than they saw last week because it's just another offense. And that makes them more dangerous than what Missouri was able to do. Uh, Brandon Allen should be better than Matty Mock. If we, if we agree that Arkansas is a good team and they played good enough SEC West teams in Texas A&M and Alabama to the whistle, then them as an underdog at home with a lot, a number of scary things on both sides of the ball. Now, after their performance against Alabama's offense last week, I think Arkansas is formidable enough. I think they will, as you said, jump up and grab somebody or jump up and get somebody. I think this is that week. Georgia is one of those teams. Like it almost feels like the Georgia tech team from two or three years ago. Like as soon as you think they're good, they don't play so well as you soon as you think like, well, they don't have Todd Gurley. I don't know what Hudson Mason's not that good. They shut out Mizzou. So I think they're just the, the fluctuations are too consistent. If that makes any sense, I'm going to go Arkansas here to win this. 20, 24 to 20, 24 to 20. Yeah. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll get a word from our sponsor and then continue forth. We've got uh, a couple other big games to discuss because sometimes you need a little fun with your sports. It's not a sports show. This is a me show. The Steve Zavid show from Yahoo sports radio. Sally, how soon before Scott's daughter Instagrams her? Sports talk with fun and frivolity. Are you out of your mind? I'm not talking about a sports show. God, I sound terrible, don't I? Oh, excuse me. Hello and welcome. <clears throat> Take three. Listen to the Steve Zabin podcast on Podcast One. Just search Zabin. C-Z-A-B-A-N. I got carried away. I'm very sorry. Daniel, tonight's show brought to you by FanDuel.com. Yeah. We've talked about them a lot, Ty. You know what's great? Free money. It feels a little bit weird, though, at the same time. It has been a tough year for fantasy football. Yeah. Because you've got all the suspensions and the injuries. Injuries. Lost Victor Cruz last week. Right. The busts. A lot of guys have been busts so far this year. I've Mm -hmm. been struggling through the Keenan Allen year two experience. I've been I've been soaking up that Malcolm Floyd love. Yeah. Uh, It is time to leave those problems behind. Get in the game with FanDuel.com. Build a brand new team every single week they're the leader in one week fantasy football leagues they pay out real money real american cash entry fees start at just one dollar again there's no season-long commitment you can play each week or whenever you want it really is entirely up to you this year they're paying out more than 10 million dollars every single week this season which is a lot of money it's more money than maybe dan and i have combined i'm not sure You got to sign up to play, though. You can sign up right now if you go to FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code. That's verbal, Mm V-E-R-B-A-L. At checkout, they might give you up to $200 free. They'll match you dollar for dollar up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code verbal. Again, use the code verbal at FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L. 
FanDuel.com. If you're interested, FanDuel.com. Do check them out. May I add something? Please. I'd like to retract my statement about soaking up Malcolm Floyd's love. Yeah. Doesn't, upon listening to myself say it, I would, it does not sound correct for me to say such a thing on a family broadcast, and I regret my error. Okay. Okay. It's all right, Dan. That's it. It's all right. Yeah. Let's move on. We'll pull through this. Let's move on. Together. Let's move on to Oklahoma State. Yeah. A nine-point road underdog against Mm -hmm. TCU. It's 4 p.m. It's on Fox Sports 1. An interesting situational play, Daniel. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this game. As am I. Is Oklahoma State any good? Do we know? I have no idea. Yeah. They they play up or down. Uh, their offense for where Oklahoma State has been these past few years, and they've rightfully lost offensive coordinators. You have the kind of success that the uh, the Pokes have had. People are going to want to get in on that. Uh, they haven't been all that efficient or at the very least consistent with the ball. They haven't been able to run it, which has really been a hallmark of recent Oklahoma State teams. Their passing has been okay, but obviously they've, they've dealt with the injury to... Uh, to J.W. Walsh, Dax Gorman has been up and down. Defensively, they've been good against the run. The front, which replaced a lot of people, has done well. They've sort of been with that, the bend and don't break. They haven't played, I mean, after Florida State, which they obviously played very tough. There, there's a lot of offensive speed to be had. Tyreek Hill um, is just, he's faster than fast. Um, I think it's a good spot because of of TCU's letdown opportunity to uh, to just sort of not mail it in but it was a disappointing way to lose last week. Oklahoma state does physically play very well. Uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma state here to lose close. I still like TCU a lot. So I think, I think TCU is probably four or five points better because it's in Fort worth. I'm going to say TCU. I'm going to go with like a 35, 31 game, 35, 31 horn frogs. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that boy. What a, what a roller coaster for TCU over the last two weeks. I mean, two weeks ago, you beat Oklahoma by four points in a great shootout of a game. Mm -hmm. And then this past week, an even bigger shootout, you're up 21 points, 11 minutes left. You somehow blow it by giving up 24 unanswered. And now that leaves, I think, your season, certainly your playoff, potentially your Big 12 chances in a state of limbo. And Oklahoma State is a dangerous team. They're a dangerous yeah. team. Even though we don't know quite how good the Cowboys are, yeah. they're always a dangerous team in this spot. Struggled with Kansas last week, yeah. They struggled with Kansas, but Mike Gundy always finds a way to score points, and I think I side with you. I got to go Cowboys because TCU, you know, for all the TCU defensive prowess that we've yeah. talked about over the last couple years, they've given up an awful lot of points the last two weeks. Yeah, you know, it was it was like all fun and games against Samford and Minnesota and SMU. But when you give up 94 points in consecutive games, perhaps against two of the better teams in the Big 12. But still, that does not leave me feeling all that inspired when you're going up against another team that I think can score points, too. So in the event that this devolves in a shootout again, much like the other game we talked about, what was that other one I talked about with the shootout? Baylor, West Virginia, right? Uh, similar to that game. I want the points if this one goes shootout. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State plus whatever here. Oklahoma State plus whatever. Okay, fair enough. Shall we get to uh, the big game? Uh, yeah, Oregon, Washington. Uh, <laughs> Washington much improved. Obviously, they're led by their defense. Oregon looking better against UCLA last week on offense. Where do you land on this? I was going to ask you who you pick because Oregon's like a 21 point favorite. Oh, I took I took the points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Oregon's good. They're still getting healthier on the offensive line. I know you're talking about Notre Dame against the what's it? Florida State. We'll get to that momentarily. I I like Oregon this week. I think Washington's offense isn't that good and they they can't run the ball, which is, you know, Chris Polk and Bishop Sankey aren't walking through the loud door of Watson Stadium. And Siler Miles, I don't feel like is all that great, but their defense is nasty and Washington doesn't turn over the ball. So I don't think they're going to give Oregon too many chances. I think Oregon wins this game. 38, 21, 38, 21. Sure. Um, I'll take Oregon here to cover the spread. Wow. Oregon. I don't think it's covered a spread this year. Have they? Well, then they're due. Okay. They're due. I'm not going to go into any deep analysis of this game because we've got a bigger game. 
8 p.m. ABC. Yeah. Game day. Herb Street, Fowler, Corso. Mm-hmm. They'll I've all be in them. town. Florida State, a 12-point favorite at home against Notre Dame, my Irish. Coming to town, it is the biggest Notre Dame-Florida State game since that famous 1-2 matchup back in good old 1993, Dan. You remember that game? I do remember that game. Most of Notre Dame's fans were just retiring then. <laughs> it was a cool time. It was a, it was like a fun time where Notre Dame fans really got to sort of see the All world. right, hold on. Yeah. Your passive aggressiveness <laughs> on all things Notre Dame's at like a 15 right now. <laughs> so you can, if you want to come down from that and bring it down to like a four, or if you just want to continue on and get all the jokes out of the way now, I've got some actual hard-hitting analysis here that I'd like to. No, get to. I'm I'm ready to talk about the actual football thing. I just it's it's. Should it's we make the joke about them not playing anybody too, just for completeness? Um, no, they've played they played Rice, right? <laughs> I like that. They did a a home and home again with Rice. Uh, all right. I'm going to say this one time. And it's not their fault that Michigan isn't good. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame fans. I'll, shut tell, up. I'll tell you when you can talk. Okay. I'm going to say this one time and one time only. Please. People who have listened to this show all year, you know the drill. <laughs> I've picked against Notre Dame every week. They're undefeated. Mm-hmm. You know I'm going with Florida State here. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say Florida State wins officially 33-21. Somewhere in that range. 34-21. Well, 33-21 would be a push with the I think the 34-21. 34-21. Okay, they barely cover. On a late extra point. Late XP. I'm going to say this once. Mm-hmm. It would not shock me if Notre Dame won this game. I think they can. Okay. Numbers-wise at this point, Florida State's got you know, a slightly better offense. Notre Dame maybe a slightly better defense. What does that really mean at the end of the day? Here's what I hone in on pretty quickly. Florida State's passing defense. It's been somewhat average this season. Yeah. I think that plays well for Notre Dame. Undermanned with the, uh, with the, the sort of injuries they've had in the front and in the secondary. Yeah. Sure. Continue. Unless you're super fired up about Jacoby Brissett. And some people are because I've been reading NFL scouting reports. Right. I think Everett Golson's the best quarterback Florida State has played and perhaps will play depending all on season long. Yeah. I mean, we'll see who they get in the uh, the championship game. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. OK, so what, I, what I'm not saying is that Notre Dame will win this game because I'm still not fully sold on their passing defense either. Right. Jameis Winston's going to have time. He's got a veteran line. He's a very good passer when he has that time, when he has a chance to allow opposing defenses to make mistakes. You can look at Notre Dame's pass defense and say, well, they're 24th in the nation in passer rating allowed. And, you know, that's really good, but it's a bit of a mirage because Notre Dame has yet to play a competent passing offense. And they're not going to have Kavari Russell for this game. They've got Cody Riggs, who's got a tweaked Mm -hmm. ankle. They've got Cole Luke, who's still young. Jameis Winston, maybe not the man of the year, but still a Heisman caliber quarterback behind a Mm -hmm. really good experience line. And I think he's going to have opportunities to pick Notre Dame apart. Is anything I'm saying perturbing you yet, Dan? Uh, I'm not crazy about Florida State's line. I think they've they've had some disappointing showings this season. The offensive line, it was supposed to be an all everything offensive line. Cam Irving has been woefully inconsistent at left tackle. Um, and he, you know, he dominated in the in all of last season, but especially later on in the season in that national championship game. Um, everything you've said is totally reasonable. The thing I would be most worried about if I were a Notre Dame fan, um, beyond Medicaid news and things like that, um, would be Everett Golson's and the offensive line's first quarters this season. They've been... obviously it's not nerves. They've just been sloppy early on and you can get away with that against North Carolina. You can get away with that against rice in Michigan and Syracuse when they did start slow. And this is a Florida state defensive front that a has been beat up and B when compared to last season, which is totally unfair, but with the talent they have, it's fair to, to look at them in the scope of an a list defensive front. They haven't been in a ton of backfields. They haven't, the, the tackles for losses down. Um, 
Everett Golson and Notre Dame's offense will not be able to get away with early turnovers like they have been early in the season. Right. And that's where I would worry if I were a Notre Dame fan. I would also, if I were a Florida State fan, I'm worried about Notre Dame's defense because Florida State on offense hasn't been all that consistent. I think they're somewhere in the 20s now in the, the football outsider efficiency metrics, and they've played decent teams, which is a pretty good indicator at this point. They've played Oklahoma State. They've played Clemson, albeit without Jameis Winston. Um, I'm going to say, and they have a common opponent, right? Syracuse. Yes. They both eventually kind of pulled away yep. uh, in their own way. I'm going to say Notre Dame is good enough on both sides of the ball. I wish Notre Dame could get a better push running the ball because I think Florida state is vulnerable up the middle, uh, much more so than they were last year with Timmy Jernigan. So if Notre Dame were able to do that, I'd feel better about them keeping this close for four quarters and perhaps winning outright, but it's in Tallahassee. Yeah. I think Florida state plays to their opponents. They're taking this game extremely seriously. I think they win this game and Notre Dame barely covers, um, I think it's, I've, I've been back and forth last week. I said, Florida state runs away with it. I feel less, uh, sort of enthusiasm about the Seminoles right now. So I'm going to say Florida state takes this, um, given the sloppiness of both of these teams recently, I'm going to say 38, 33 Florida state. That feels about right to me in terms of total points. Um, yeah. I do think Florida state, Wins the football game, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I do think Florida State covers the 12-point spread, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. I am incredibly excited to watch this game on Saturday night. Two quarterbacks who are combined 35-1 and one as starters. Yep. I think Notre Dame's defense, though, makes a young mistake here or there. And Jameis Winston's good enough to take advantage. I think that's probably the difference in this game. Yeah, I'm curious to see how Notre Dame defends because Florida State hasn't been able to run the ball that well, especially with Carlos Williams hurt. Um, how Notre Dame is in the open field with Mario Pender and Dalvin Cook, even if they're not running. Jimbo's great with screens. We saw last season with Devonta Freeman in big spots. Sure. Busting games open with the screen game. Rashad Green is healthier than he has been a, for a couple weeks. Uh, Bobo Wilson, I believe it's Jesus Bobo Wilson. The second receiver has done really well. A lot of the freshman receivers are coming into their own for Florida state, not just catching the ball, but blocking. Um, but yeah, these teams both have injury suspension, just issues that surround the depth chart where it feels like taking the points is the sort of reasonable thing to do. Yeah. And to your point on screens, Notre Dame likes to be aggressive under Brian Van Gorder, right? You Much know, more so. They switched to the 4-3. They're bringing more pressure. If you watch the end of that Stanford game and you watch that third down play where Notre Dame brought the house on Kevin mm -hmm. Hogan in a situation where they knew openly he was going to pass, it takes balls to call that. Yeah. It was at least one safety blitzing. I don't know. I don't remember if it was both, but to make that call in that situation, that's putting a lot of faith in your defense. That's taking a lot of risk. And certainly if Florida State's able to get that screen game going, that is something they might be able to use um, against Notre Dame. Dan, I, I I think Notre Dame can win this game. I don't think they do. I am saying Florida State covers wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, a bunch of Notre Dame's fan, Notre Dame fans told me like, gosh, it's the most athletic Notre Dame team like ever. Come on. That's what they told me. It Twitter. is. OK, it is great. There's a lot. There's a lot of athletic teams. There is, but this is a more athletic Notre Dame team for sure. Cool. You don't care, do you? No, not really. Moving on. Yeah. 1030. Yeah. On ESPN, we move to the third best conference in college football as Stanford goes on the road, a three and a half point favorite mm. against ASU, Dan. Yeah. Um, what do you make of what do you make of this game? Well, the second best conference is doing a, a poor job of putting teams that are ranked and that should be at least in somewhat of a national spotlight. Stanford's defense at least should be an ASU and their ability to, to win games and put up yards on offense with their backup quarterback should be a story that people enjoy on a certain level, especially when you can beat USC on a Hail Mary. Um, I like Stanford in this game just because their strength matches up with ASU's strength and I feel better about 
Stanford stopping Arizona State through the air than I feel about Arizona State throwing on Stanford. I don't think Arizona State can win in multiple ways. I don't think that a defense could lead them in a win against a good Stanford team. I don't think um, their their running game at this point against Stanford's front can do anything. So I'm taking Stanford here. I feel better about them. Um, I think the Cardinal take this game pretty close. Not I mean close most of the time, but we'll say Stanford um, because that offense is still kind of putrid to me. Uh, We'll say 24-18. Okay, I've got 28-20 down here. Yeah, somewhere in that. I I also like the Cardinal, and I'm going to use the game against Wazoo as the basis for my pick here. Okay. Uh, Now, ASU's better than Washington State. I'm not trying to make that point, but I think they are so heavily reliant on the pass, and they are so shaky defensively. Mm Mm-hmm that I think that could actually make Stanford's offense look respectable. And I think Stanford knows the pass is coming. They're going to be able to defend it. Um, I also look for Stanford to have a lot of rushing yards this game, like 200 plus yards, let's say, with Raymond Wright and Barry Sanders. I I think they're going to get that ground game going here against Arizona State, particularly bad. In the, yeah. in the front seven with the losses still from last year affecting how they do things still not able to adjust uh, I want to say they brought over West Virginia's defensive coordinator from last season to run the defensive stuff and while he may be good oh boy this is this is not a defense that I feel like is going to get all that much better this season perhaps in the long term they've recruited pretty well but this is not the year okay um, let's do a regular lightning round here no drum and fife I'm going to give you three games, rapid fire. Yeah. Give me a one-sentence synopsis and a pick. Rutgers on the road at Ohio State. It's homecoming in Columbus. The Buckeyes are a 19.5-point favorite. I'm taking Ohio State here. I think JT Barrett has improved uh, week in and week out. I think the offense has been simplified. I like While I like Rutgers, Ohio State is taking full use of their athletes on offense. The defense, I still have questions, but I don't think Gary Nova or this year's Gary Nova and Rutgers will be able to exploit them. So I'm going to go Ohio State big. Lock of the week. Yeah, I like Ohio State by... 28 to 35 points here. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Rutgers is five and one and it's a soft five and one. I don't think they're any good. Plus Ohio state's got a lot to prove and they have played really, really well. Their last three games outscoring mm-hmm. opponents like 168 to 52, somewhere in that range. I like the Buckeyes to win this one very, very comfortably. They probably still think they've got a shot at the playoff. And uh, I can't think of a good reason why they wouldn't if everyone in right. front of them loses. So, uh, yeah, Rutgers can stop the run, though. I think that's going to be the matchup that determines everything. If Ohio State's able to exploit the ground, they'll win big. To the SEC, Kentucky at LSU, Dan. LSU a nine and a half point favorite. Kentucky, a very quiet five and one. Mm-hmm. They will fight LSU. They're they're plucky in like a South Florida kind of way. Right. Wow. I think I don't know who's who should be more insulted by that, but continue. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think LSU is able to run this one pretty easily. Run in this one, excuse me, pretty easily. Uh they're still figuring out the offense in Baton Rouge, but I I still think they're like two scores better. So maybe like LSU by 14, somewhere in that range. You know what? I'm a Mark Stoops believer, and he's getting a lot out of his youth. I haven't watched as much Kentucky as I'd like to, but essentially they are a complete team, much more so than they ever could have said in the past. Um, They've been good against the past, playing against a number of teams that have been pretty unsuccessful throwing the ball in general. Kind of hard to gauge on that with that metric, but they are a totally pretty good team. If that and that is a, a compliment the way I hear myself say it. And I think LSU is around the same. The game is in Baton Rouge. I think ultimately LSU covers, but I think there's a game most of the time. I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say LSU it's a it's a very, very narrow cover. Uh and then UCLA at Cal. We go back to the third best conference in college football. Yeah. Um I said this one on Sunday. Cal is a seven. No, neither point of these home. teams are in the Big Twelve, Ty. Did I say Big Twelve? No, you said third best conference. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cal, a seven-point home dog. Yeah. I said this one on Sunday. Mm-hmm. After getting hammered by Oregon, 
there is a distinct possibility that things go south in a hurry for UCLA. I like Cal outright, and I'm going to lock it up. Lock of the week. I think things could really get out of hand for Jim Moore Jr. I'm going to take Cal plus the points here, and I think they went out right. Yeah, um, Cal looked particularly foot shooty last week against Washington. Their defense is still pretty atrocious. I think I, I while I like taking the home dog, I, there actually really is nothing I, I like beyond Brett Hundley's legs about this UCLA team. Their defensive front full of blue chippers is playing like an average defense um, because they are one. Um if Cal were able to run the ball a little bit better against decent teams, I'd feel better about this. Um, but I am still going to go with Cal here. I think they win a shootout. So in those cases, if we're agreeing with the philosophy that we each have about taking points in a shootout, I'm going to go with uh, the California Golden Bears yeah, here. Yeah, jump aboard, my friend. Yeah. Jump aboard. You have a lock this week? That's none of your business, Ty. But I'm locking up the Washington Huskies. Lock of the week. See, now you're starting to play that reverse jinx angle, too. I don't know what you're talking about. Fine. I'll do a double barrel so you know I'm serious. Yeah. Lock of the week. Oh, that's so nice, bird. Since you double barrel locked it, I double barrel sound dropped it. I like it. I was yeah. I was going to ask for it. Yeah. I was going to ask if that was great, Bert, and then you gave it to me. Okay. I believe it's time to uh, drop the big nasty. Ty, if I can make a request. Please. I don't know if you need this notarized, but my formal request is for you to drop that big, nasty, stanky, dripping drum and fife. Yeah. <laughs> the Pat League is a league unlike any other. It is. Mostly because it's the best conference in college football. And I wouldn't even say it's all that close. It's another weekend, of course, of Pat League teams in the Ivies just bashing heads against one another. This is man ball. This is man football. Lafayette, considered to be the Harvard of Eastern Pennsylvania, takes on the Harvard of Boston because it's it, they're playing against Harvard. Yeah. Uh, the game is in Cambridge or wherever the hell the football stadium is in the greater Boston area. Harvard right. undefeated. They You don't just waltz into the Crim Dome and take no. out Harvard, but Lafayette is going to try doing that. They are not a road team. Lafayette is decidedly not a road not team. Not good at Lafayette, all. last week, getting the W. Here's the thing about Lafayette. They don't lose two in a row. They don't win two in a row. Last week, they, they beat Georgetown. They embarrassed the hell out of the live Bulldogs. That are the Georgetown Hoyas. I feel like this is not the week Lafayette will have. I think Harvard takes this one, but America's team, the Lafayette Leopards, you know, away from the Yeti Dome, Lafayette just doesn't have it yet. I'm going to go Harvard here. I'm going to go Harvard by a couple scores. Who do you like? Um, I am going to go with Harvard as well. I've, Let's, I was thoroughly unimpressed with Lafayette's performance last week on the road in the Bronx against Fordham. So really let's go with the like, yeah, it didn't feel like typical Lafayette. No. So let's go with, uh, let's Land go with Georgetown last week, but the week before. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. They were in the Bronx. Yeah. Lafayette on the road, even as a, a leopard legacy. Yes. Don't feel great about them. Dartmouth actively featured in last night's the Mindy project. Do you watch the Mindy project? I'm not a fan. You know, I, I feel like you should give it a second chance. Not, not a fan. I gave it a second chance and I really enjoy it. I think it's lovely. Yeah. Not a fan. I don't know what to tell you. Holy Cross, though, winless on the road. Away from the Cross Dome, they are just not the same. Crossaders, Dartmouth, meanwhile, they get it done in the in mouth, the, 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 the mouth center. Yeah. The, the mouth center. Uh, Dartmouth tied for first in the Ivy Leagues on a two-game win streak, hosting Holy Cross, a team that I am going to maintain, even though you've picked them a couple times this season. Total frauds. Uh, Dartmouth going on the road to Yale last week. The Yalers could not keep up 38-31 Dartmouth in a shootout. I think it's it's Dartmouth huge over the Crusaders. Your thoughts? I read to you an email from Joe in Chicago. Hit me. He says the Crusaders leave the Cross Dome and travel to Hanover, New Hampshire for yes, Dartmouth's homecoming. Dartmouth is 3-1 and one on the year. 
just won at Yale. Yale beat Army. Army beat Ball State. Ball State was one play away from beating Iowa. Iowa beat Indiana. Indiana beat Missouri. Missouri beat South Carolina. Therefore, therefore, I am pretty certain Dartmouth is one play away from beating South Carolina. They are my lock of the week over Holy Cross. I would be foolish to go against, uh, what am I saying here? This the trans- Yes, this uh, transitive logic. Right. I will take Dartmouth as well and side with Joe in Chicago. Locking up the Mouseketeers. All yes. right. That's what they call the, the Mouseketeers in Barcelona. Yep. Uh, Colgate, you've had mixed a mixed experience with Colgate this season. Going on the road to take on the Yearlies. Live Bulldog, once again, what is Yale's Live Bulldog's name? His name is Handsome Dan. His name is Handsome Dan. How do you go against the Yaleys in a big spot like this? Even though Colgate 4-2 and two on the season, I believe that's two-thirds. Two-thirds of their games have ended in victory. I feel great about Handsome Dan and the Bulldogs taking on the Gators of Colgate. Give me the Bulldogs. Lock them up. Lock of the week. All right. I am going to go. I'll go Colgate. Yeah. My friend Emily went to Yale and she had a baby this week. So Uh, go and yell there. Okay. All right. Lehigh. Cornell. Yep. They are defeated collectively 0 yep. and 9 yep. combined records be the, the 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 high the high engineers and the 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 core the the nail tones something's um, gotta give dan dude you're getting a nail so one of these teams is walking away from the nellosphere with a win do you feel good about your local lehigh hiketeers nope. or do you feel good about the the nellophones i'm gonna go nellophones here nellophones i'm out Hope on lehigh you. trying you're to order reverse lehigh. jinx here with the mountain hawks I'm going Cornell big. My friend Danielle, I just literally, maybe, what time is it right now? It is 6.15 Eastern time at around 4.45. We celebrated her birthday in the office with cookie cake, tie. Cookie cake. And yeah. she is an alumnus okay. of the Cornell Big Red. So I'm going Cornell here. We agree. We do agree. God, that, that drum and fife is so big and stanky and nasty. It Are there any other up. games? No, that's it. Only those four. Everybody else is 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 by no Fordham this week. No Fordham almost inflicting too much damage yeah. upon the Patriot League. No Fordham. Okay, they could probably get in the Big Ten right now. To be honest with you, I feel great about that. You want me to give you a quick Pat League standing? An uh, update? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you real quick. You ready? Yeah. You're sure? Yeah. No, I'm because I'm stalling while I load this page, and I'm going to need you to help me. So here it is. Fordham and Colgate, 2-0 in conference. Bucknell, 1-0. So it's still wide open. Uh, Lafayette, Lehigh, Georgetown, Holy Cross all have losses. But you know what? Bucknell, Colgate, Fordham, a combined 15-4 and on the season. Yeah, so there it is. It's at least as good as the it's ACC. It's tough to look past that kind of uh, dominance. It's dominance. Absolute dominance. By the way, we got a tweet from, uh, is it Mike Nebrich, the that quarterback like- for Fordham? Is that true? He sent us a tweet earlier this week because someone... Uh, Someone tagged him in a tweet to us, and we talked about Fordham and our Pat right. League lightning round, and he wrote back and said, awesome, we could potentially bring him on the program to do a Pat League lightning round with us. I don't see why not. We can make that contact. We can try and work that I out. I can come up with seven to nine reasons why that should happen. All right. What else we got here? Anything else? Uh, I want to go through real quick people's menus on Saturday. The Verbola oh, yes. menu is looking strong. Yeah, what do we got? Or strong, as it were. Um, this week, we've got our buddy Will. He's listened to the show forever. Bacon-wrapped cheese roll-ups. Don't know what it is? Intrigued. I'd have at least one and a half bites. Zach, our buddy Zach Brooks. Wings and beer. That's just at a bar. That's nothing too exciting. Not? Super nude, Super noodles. Super nudes from our buddy Kit. Um, this I like the details Michael Franco's giving us. Scrambled eggs with bacon, maple, dusting of paprika. Go Rage and Cajuns. I like that. Beer can chicken from Sam. Our buddy James is going low carb, Coke Zero, Bacardi Spice Rum with taco salad and homemade chili. No beans. I like that distinction. Cheese stuffed jalapenos wrapped in bacon are going in our buddy Quinn Brunk's mouth. You like the way I described that? That was great. I don't. White chili, Jeremy Fisher. It's getting cold. I assume that means white beans. So we have a discrepancy between beans or no beans and the chili over ballers. We can debate that at another time. Cheddar ale and bratwurst soup for Jason Stowe in sourdough bread bowls. I like that. We've got low carb and high carb. I respect everybody. A couple of people having crab legs because they think they're hilarious. And here's the here's my rule. They they are actually pretty funny to say that. Yeah, they are. Um, 
Our buddy Tink is having a lot of vodka. We've got a Notre Dame stadium built out of snack food from Chris Castellan. That is just dedication to the cause right there. It is dedication. Our our friend Rob Stamper doing hickory smoked ribs and bear. I don't know if he means beer or he means that he's actually going to eat bear meat. Well, they're playing. They're playing bear. They're they're playing playing Baylor. And I know you can eat bear meat. I know people do eat bear meat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had bear meat? I've never had bear meat. I know many who have. I know many who love bear meat. Is that true? Absolutely. Who do you know that eats bear? Uh, Uncle Joe's father-in-law has shot many a bear. And he eats the meat. He's eating the meat, yeah. How does he prepare it? I have no idea. Has Joe ever had it? Oh, yeah. And you don't, But you don't know if it's like bear tacos or just like slowly roasted bear. If you want me to call him up right now and get him on the phone, I could do that. But otherwise, I don't know. I just want an answer for next time. How about that? That sounds fine. All right. I also want to shout out people who have been extraordinarily generous with their Twitter feeds and time on iTunes. Because, by the way, love the retweets. Love when you tweet out, hey, I'm listening to this show, and you should too. It's solid verbal, and it's fun, and they talk about bear meat. Love that. Also, the people that go on iTunes to review the show, every little bit helps. You review the show, you give us a good review. That is fantastic for us in terms of getting people and well, people listening to the show. I don't want to get people. That sounds strange. No, that's but weird. I want to shout out our buddy David Ward, El Capitan, Forrest, Wargum, Rock, Grillich, Randall Graves, Drunken Gobbler, Damian Calhoun, Baby Golick, Richard Sapler, The Twisted Martini. He's the tw- most twisted of them all. Jamerson, Michael Parrott. Sounds like a fake name or a serial killer. I hope it's not either. John Stevens, Patrick Kelly, our boy Eddie Mack, who we like even though he's a Notre Dame fan. He's been with us for a long, long time. Robbie Freeborn Scott, who feels like he probably should have written a biography of a president at some point. I hope he does if he hasn't yet. Matthew Early, big fan of his. Drunken Ninja. Nick, a.k.a. Big Butter Jesus. And of course, of course, Ty. We ride with Brandon McKissick. Of course we do. Yeah. Official mascot of the show, Mr. McKissick. You know what I wouldn't hate? Here's what I wouldn't hate. This is the new challenge. We're not going to do a secret verbal today. Yeah. We're going to we're going to take where that's a bye week for the secret verbal. If you are kind enough to spend your time reviewing the show on iTunes and if and if if we want you to be honest, but if you have kind things to say, even the better. I want you to talk about if you like the show, why you like the show, and I also want to I want you to mention what it is about Ty physically that you find so alluring. <laughs> That's what I want. You can't wash this stuff off the internet, Dan. It's going to be there forever. No, it's just if if you write like love the show, they I, it's entertaining. I like college football. They break everything down in a way I enjoy. Also, there's just something about Ty's eyes that that draw me every week. All right, I think that'd be fantastic. So describe your favorite physical attribute of Ty. I would also say you need to use a term of endearment when describing Dan. Yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. All right, so it's a little bit, uh, a little bit both ways. We are so demanding. It's been a weird show, Dan. Not gonna lie. No, it's. I mean, it's pretty much standard. When for was us. when was the last time we did a show and it's like, well, that was a that was a totally normal, straightforward show. Uh pretty much never. Yeah. Pretty much never. Okay. So thanks again for downloading. Yes. You know the drill. Head on out to iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. Tell your friends. Find us on Facebook at FanCred on Twitter. Do call into the Reverb line. It's 408-Verbal1. That's 408-837-2251. And if you so desire, you can email us at SolidVerbal at gmail.com. I've got one last tidbit here to add. I do have a question for you, but continue. I'm running a 5K this weekend. Yeah. I'm running a 5K this Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the best way for me to... Um, genuinely select who I think is going to win the Notre Dame Florida State game okay. is for me to beat my time from last year. Right. My time last year was twenty six thirty eight. I have run approximately three times in training for this five k that I'm going to run very early on Saturday morning. What have been your times? Um, all have been in the twenty eight range. Okay, so you're you're right at around nine minute miles. So I am going to post my final results after the race mm-hmm. at some point on Sunday or uh, Saturday morning, excuse me. Right. But let's say if I beat 2638, Notre Dame wins outright. If I don't beat it, Florida state wins outright. There it is. That way I can make a pick and still preserve my reverse jinx. I like it. 
All right. Well, on that note, for that guy over there, his name's Dan Rubenstein. For myself, my name is Ty Hildebrandt. Thanks again for tuning into the show. We'll catch you all on Sunday. Enjoy your week eight games and stay solid. Peace. I have one final question for you, Ty. I've always wondered this. Yes, sir. You appear in a beefcake calendar. What month do you feel like most <laughs> most represents your sensibility? You feel like you're a summer guy? You feel like first notes of spring? There you are. You feel like you're wintry, cuddly, Ty? You feel like you're autumnal? What do you? What month would you want to appear as in a beefcake calendar? Why are you asking me this question? I don't know. We had this discussion in the office, and I like putting you on the spot. I'm a November baby. I'm a turkey baby. You're a, so you, but you feel like your essence... Yeah. Is best captured in November. November or like July, one That's or the other. That's peak tie, November tie? Peak tie is probably July tie. July tie. Yeah. Okay. I had April. April. Yeah, I had April for me. I like you know, jeans and a light hoodie. Sun's coming out. I get excited about that. Um, there's just something about April that I am I feel like captures me. Okay. That's all I got. Beefcake ca- calendar. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like, you know, they have, like, the, the firefighter calendars for charity and How things like that. How bored are you at work if you're talking about beefcake calendars? I, I really like all of my coworkers, so I like putting them in situations where they have to look internally to figure, to see how self-aware they are and to, to give them a question that they would probably never be asked. Good God. That's my goal in life is to ask people a question that they are, you know, consistently unprepared to answer. You've done a hell of a job of it on this show. Right? Not going to lie. I got a great one for you Sunday.